Well, the the whole extraterrestrial thing is not uh, not a viable solution to this. We we need to go through a turning point in the study of of this whole domain, away from ideology. We're not here to prove that we're being visited by you know aliens from this planet or that star. That may very well be true, but we have not done the basic work. I have this hunch that the um, that this that this phenomenon is um, comes from, comes from some sort of domain of pure information, and the fact that it can interact with us at all suggests that uh, that we inhabit a domain that's also pure information. Are we uh, go conditioned here? Yes. in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. And remember, my friend, future events such as these will affect you in the future. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. And now, for the first time, we are bringing to you the full story of what happened on that fateful day. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. The incidents, the places. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. Let us punish the guilty. Let us reward the innocent. My friend, can your heart stand the shocking facts about Radio Mysterioso? The newest in a series of pop-up shows on Radio Serioso will feature today my friend, uh, often guest and partner in crime, uh, Miguel Romero, also known as Red Pill Junkie. About maybe a year ago, my friend Samantha McBride wrote me and um, said, have you seen this paper by this uh, parapsychologist from the CIA archives? And I'd never heard of this guy. His name was Jacobo Grinberg. So since he was Mexican, I said, hey, Miguel, have you heard of this guy? No, he, I guess, Miguel, at that point, you hadn't. Since then, we, we discovered, and I think at the time we discovered they were making a documentary. Someone was making a documentary about him. And that has just been released, but only in limited form. So I thought we'd take this opportunity to talk about this little-known parapsychological, um, neurological, shamanic researcher and uh, what his work was and what his legacy is and his strange disappearance. So, hi, Miguel. Hey, Greg. So we're talking about, what's his name? How do you pronounce his name? Jacobo Greenberg Zilberbaum? Yeah, I guess. I mean, uh, 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 I'm sure if the guy had been born in, I don't know, Czechoslovakia or Poland, we would pronounce it totally different. But now since the guy was Mexican and his family has probably resided in Mexico, uh, for many years, it is Jacobo Greenberg. I kind of wondered, and I before the recording messed up, I said, um, the, obviously, uh, Jewish family, Jewish guy, um, 
are, are do Jews have the same problems in Mexico they do in other countries or are people pretty mellow with it? It's a good question. Uh, I, I'm sure it doesn't, they don't get the grief that they might get in, in, in countries like Germany, the United States, places like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, although, uh, obviously, you know, I mean, racism is uh, it's a universal problem. Yeah. And the other thing is obviously that uh, it's a community that's maybe like in, in other countries, they tend to like, uh, I don't want to say reserve themselves, but they, they, they tend to like stick together and, and, and not perhaps uh, assimilate as much. Assimilate exactly, assimilate as much with the rest of the of the of the population. Mm-hmm. You know, as part as part of their their culture, as part of their their religion. And there are in, in Mexico City, for example, there there are neighborhoods that are very very characteristic of the of of our Jewish community. One of them is Polanco. Mm-hmm. It's very close to Chapultepec. Oh, okay. And I'm not. Sh- I'm not even sure if we visited it when you were here. I don't think so. Uh, I think we skirted Chapultepec, not. but definitely not. Um, what do you say, Polanco is the name of it? Polanco. Yeah. yeah. So that's uh, where many people live. Though, but obviously, you know, they live everywhere. Yeah. And uh, I've worked with you know several Jewish uh, people in the past. Mm-hmm. So you know, many of them are are very successful, and uh, many of them have had a huge impact in Mexican culture. Yes, for example, I can think of Abraham Sabludovsky, who was one of our most important and most famous uh, journalists. You know, he was a TV news anchor. Is uh, is the he is the closest person to uh, your Walter Cronkite oh, in I the see. United States. Yeah, and his and his brother Abraham Sabludowski was a very famous architect. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another guy, Leo, uh, Enrique Kraus, who is a, a very famous historian. Right, he's written a lot of books about uh, revolution, independence, things like that. And right now, the mayor of Mexico City. Claudia Sheinbaum, uh, she is, I believe, descendant from Jewish Latvian uh, immigrants. Oh, okay. So as you so- can see, I mean, yeah, Jewish people have had uh, an impact in 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 Mexico history, and and you know we consider them to be you know just as Mexican as you know any person. anyone else, yeah. Yeah. So uh, uh, apparently, Grinberg's family came from probably somewhere in Europe or Eastern Europe a generation or two back. However, um, so he lived from when was he born? In the and I think he was born, he was born in 1946. Okay, and he disappeared in 1994. Four. Yeah. Yes. So we will get into. He that. was 47. Yeah, uh-huh. he was 47 by the time, which is weird. I mean. It's, the age that I have now, and one of the reasons why I'm currently so obsessed with his story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, for people that don't know, um, he was a um, parapsychologist, um, neurologist, uh, 
I don't know what else he had degrees in. He had PhD, I think, from an American university in New York. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think uh, uh, they never specified which was the university that granted him his first PhD. Okay. But it was definitely in New York, and he went there, uh, according to the documentary, in the early 1970s. Yeah. So he was there, and he they obviously said that he began to experiment with the typical things of the you know, American counterculture back in those days, LSD, and also obviously also uh, uh, far out research into human consciousness. I, I, I'm wondering if he ever uh, met Ingo Swan. Hmm. Yeah, we would fi- you would figure since New York at that time, I, I think Swan was there, he, he might have met him. The reason we're talking about him is, one, because, you know, our mutual interest, and two, because uh, when we first started talking about him a year ago, there was a documentary in progress, and now that has been completed. It's a Spanish documentary, and it is not available widely yet, only on, uh, uh, I guess you said it's making the film festival circuit right now, and this is how we know most about him at the moment, because nobody's really paid any attention to him in Mexico, the United States, anywhere else. You did mention to me before our recording messed up that probably the most interest in his life and his work has been in Spain. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've seen what you, you can Google his name or you can put his name on the YouTube um, search engine and you will find quite a few uh, old TV shows uh, when Hakobar was invited to participate in debate panels and most if not all of those uh, uh, recorders are are from spain which is weird you know you can see one of them which was actually used in the documentary in which he's speaking and there's also uh salvador freisedo who Mm. i know you are very interested in you know he he used to be a jesuit a priest, a Jesuit uh, uh, member of the of the Jesuit order, uh, but then he renounced, you know, had Catholic religion, and he began to do a lot of research about the UFO phenomenon. He became convinced that aliens were not only uh, behind the rise of all uh, religions, but also they were like in some kind of like parasitic or almost like a vampiric relationship with human beings. So the, 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 there he was, Sir Fresedo and, and Greenberg, and I guess they, those, those two knew each other because they were interested in researching the work of shamans and also what is known as psychic surgery. Psychic surgery is the, well, let's say, alleged ability of individuals who go into sort sort of trance and they say that they become possessed with an entity that will take possession of their of their of their body and their and their you know voluntary functions only momentarily in order to perform these uh, medical procedures on patients without any use of anesthetic, without any use of what you will expect from, a, you know, in the, in the 21st century, a normal medical procedure. You know, they only use, in the case of uh, the, the, the one of the shamans that Greenberg uh, estudied, 
studied, sorry, for for a long time was this woman Pachita. Mm-hmm. He used she used to use a blunt, rusty knife in order to cut open, you know, people's rib cages and and things like that. Yeah, like and the Brazilian just, guy Arrigo, I think his name was. Exactly. Now, one thing that I I uh, managed to find out through this very cursory, very shallow. Uh, online research is that unlike Arigo, uh, Pachita's patients did feel pain, which is interesting, you know, because you will uh, all, most of the time you hear how uh, people who are submitted to these procedures they don't feel any pain, but apparently well, that wasn't the case with Pachita. But another interesting thing is that Pachita not only managed to like remove uh, uh, cancerous tumors and things like that. She will. She was able, according to Greenberg, who who witnessed many of of of, of her performances. He she was able to materialize healthy organs out of thin air, right? Which is beyond the the things of of managing to cut a person open without killing them, and then you know having those persons after the procedure is over walk under two two feet as if nothing had happened to them yeah it's um when i hear that uh instead of going to the oh it's all fake anyway the first thing i go to is maybe and this is something grinberg i think talked about and theorized is that somehow people like this sorry about the leaf blower outside but it's la um somehow people like pachita and uh arigo and a few others I think even Dean Dean Radin mentioned this to me. They may be able to at least locally change the time stream of whatever the disease is or what the problem is and make it at some point in the future where where the person is well or some point in the past where the person is well, somehow able to bridge that gap. And that's what Grinberg, I think, thought was going on. And he had this idea about... um, uh, almost like the matrix that he called um, uh, the lattice, and he the study of it yes. he called synergy, I believe. Yes, it was a coin term that she, uh, he invented. Was like a mix between synthesis and energy. Uh-huh. And yeah, he he began to uh, create this theory of his, in which he wanted to, to give some sort of a scientific explanation to the things he was witnessing uh, in the field when he went to research um, these Mexican shamans, but also on his laboratory where he was performing all the, all sorts of experiments in order to try to kind of like uh, apply the the theory of quantum mechanics that posits that to uh, particles can become entangled, right. which means that uh, you can uh, correlate these two, like let's say photons, and then you can send one of those photons to the other end of the universe. And then if you can somehow alter one of those photons, the other one automatically will also get affected. And Greenberg was kind of like the, of the idea, of, okay, if uh, particles can do that, why not brains? After all, uh, the, the atoms within your brain and my, my brain 
all come from the same place, you know, the Big Bang, right? Yeah. So you will say, well, you know, maybe it's possible to attain that same level of um, uh, relationship or entanglement. And yeah, I, I have tried to begin to study his theories uh, that he mm, coined as synergy. It is very, very difficult to understand, mm-hmm. especially for a layman as myself. But yeah, kind of like uh, even though I sent you I, his I, book recently, <laughs> yeah, one of them. He has yet. many books. But uh, yeah, and and besides that, I've also tried to read articles about him on on the web. Mm-hmm. But to sum it up very very badly, probably hmm. he had this idea of yeah, the universe as some kind of um, holographic. Uh, pre-informational matrix yep when that when it, it gets in contact with uh, the new, what he called the neural field produced by a by a human brain or you know a, a, a conscious being mm-hmm. that gave rise to uh the objects that we are able to perceive, you know, shapes, sounds, colors, whatever. So basically and, it's kind of information theory where um, uh, physical reality and matter is an epiphenomenon of consciousness. Exactly. And this is also kind of like, uh, has some kind of resonance with things that Dean Radin has also theorized, the idea of how maybe human consciousness has some kind of like a gravity effect uh, you know, like a gravity f- uh, field, force field, yep. yeah, field that has an effect on, on on reality. So then, Greenberg was of the idea that well, maybe people like Pachita managed to have some kind, of s- such uh, mastery of their their mind that uh, their level of let's say coherence when it comes in contact with this uh, lattice, it can momentarily allow them to shape the laws of nature as they see fit. And in the case of Pachita, you know, like to create organs out of thin air. And in the case of, uh, well, I don't know, uh, like let's say, for example, Joseph of Cupertino, you know, managed to negate uh, the attraction of, uh, of gravity. Mm-hmm. So he could levitate when he yeah. got into you know mystical trances. Right. So it's an interesting, very very interesting ideas, and he was trying to not just like put them in as theories. He was he was trying to put them uh, to test with yeah. his lab, and and he was going to have this uh, experiment in which he will try to uh, have two people. Uh, one in Mexico and the other one in India to try to see if if uh, they they could have what he called uh, transfer of pot- potentiality, which is I don't know I guess it's another fancy word for raking. And he was going to use actually a satellite in order to try to measure you know the brain activity of of these two individuals. And he was just about to do that when when he uh, 
mysteriously disappeared. And this is, you know, one of the things that obviously the documentary explores. Go, they go into, you know, different avenues. Well, maybe, you know, he was assassinated by his wife, or maybe there was other reasons, or maybe, you know, he wanted to abandon, you know, his his family. Although they, it's quite unlikely because he had a daughter. Uh, he, who, whom he was very close to and to to his brothers, the idea that he will, you know, just leave everything behind and leave her, his daughter behind was inconceivable. So then that's the other alternative that, well, maybe he was kidnapped because of his research. And, what, and like you said, you know, the fact that uh, there are a few of his papers that were released by the CIA and that were part of their Stargate, Stargate Psychic Spy program, at least gives you evidence that, the, that at one point the CIA was interested in his work. Mm -hmm. To some extent, you know, yeah. To some extent, yeah. Yeah. Uh, does the documentary, I mean, is it uh, mostly concentrated on the disappearance or does it, is it pretty holistic, like... Where did he come from? What was he doing? Uh, who do you have contact with? Um, you know, d does it go through? Is it pretty all inclusive about any information they could get him? I know there's a lot of uh, interviews and cameos with uh, almost some surprising cameos of people in the in the film. Well, I mean, the uh, the majority of the interviews are with his uh, family members and also with his uh, associates mm -hmm. within the. University of Mexico and whatnot, mm -hmm. and yeah, there was there were a few very surprising uh, cameos. One, for example, is Patrick Carpour, whom I don't think he knew personally, uh, but uh, Harpour at least gives uh, you know like uh, a perspective of what happens when science tries to study the kind of things that uh, Greenberg was interested in, you know, which sometimes like uh, traps you into a uh, let's call it a rabbit hole of absurdity yeah and um, also the interviews without trying to spoil you know the documentary interviews because people should really watch it when they can if they can they also call about how uh, he the guy began to be interested in these sort of things and how he had he had a very tragic childhood. Uh, his mother died at a very young age when he was 13. And to people who are interested in, in the paranormal, they will realize that this is a very, very common thing that happens when people uh, experience trauma at such an early age. It kind of like marks them and I dare say it kind of like leaves them open into, you know, perceiving aspects of reality that other people just don't pay attention to. Does it go um, into what that trauma might have been? Oh, besides well, losing his mother. Well, the trauma, yeah, the trauma losing his mother, but she's no, no small thing, obviously, when yeah, you're a exactly. child. Yeah, Of course. Also, uh, they say how uh, in the 1960s, and this is something that um, many the Jewish, many conservative Jewish families do in Mexico is they sometimes they send their children to to Israel so they can 
leaving kibbutz for which, a little while. Yeah, which he did, I think. Which he did when, with the woman that became his first wife. And it says that uh, it, it, it was during that time when he met an English spiritualist who had also a big impact in him. And he kind of like uh, had witchy sessions with this guy and things uh, that deeply affected him because, you know, when, you know, during the sessions, the spirit will say something like, oh, well, tomorrow your watch will, you know, stop at exactly this time of day and the things happened, you know, so that kind of like shook him, shook him in his um Scientific materialism? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and then, oh, like we said, he he in the 1970s, he went to New York, so he experienced American counterculture, LSD and all that. And he also, and this is a, a, also another thing that uh, the documentary explores, he became very much involved with um, Carlos Castaneda's inner group, and Castaneda, to people who might not know, was a very, very important figure in the American counter culture in the 1960s. Nowadays, he's not that well known, although if you've ever seen the movie The Matrix, then you already know a little bit about uh, <laughs> yeah. Castaneda, yeah. because the Wachowskis, uh, uh, it is my contention that they used like the mythology of Carlos Castaneda, who was a young UCLA anthropology student who claimed to have met this uh, sorcerer, this Mexican brujo called Don Juan Matus in the Sonoran Desert in Mexico. And he became kind of like his apprentice and he began to, you know, perf the, uh, attend these rituals in which things like uh, peyote and other psychotropic substances were used. And all of that he... Uh, revealed in his books. The first one was The Teachings of Don Juan, who was like a bombshell yeah. in the 1960s in, in, in the United States. You know I mean? He, I remember he, reading his books when I was a teenager, actually. Yeah, yeah. Like 15, and, 20 uh, like, years after the books came out, but yeah. Right, I, I did the same. I, I read his books when I was finishing college mm -hmm. in the late 1980s. So by the time that I that I saw the movie The Matrix as when I say, oh my God, this is the same thing that Carlos yeah. was talking about. Yeah. And it's one of the reasons why I decided to use the nickname Red Bull Junk, by right. the way. Exactly. So, yeah, and, and they explore the, the, this relationship that uh, Greenberg had with, with Castaneda, and also the reasons why they had a fallout in the end which I won't reveal, like I said, because I don't want to spoil the, the, the documentary too much. <laughs> yeah. But, but, well, but if people like, can see it, which is difficult right now outside of um, some very difficult to find online. Uh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm Plus I it's still no in Spanish. I don't think it's been translated yet. No, it is translated. Oh, it has subtitles, huh? Yeah, it has subtitles. Oh, okay. I mean, the only things that... Uh, I recommended the, the, the film to, to people when it was freely available uh, in this uh, uh, film platform, and they had no problem following it, you know, because not only it is 
subtitle when people are speaking in Spanish, but there's a lot of people who are speaking in English. Right, right. Okay, well then um, it, uh, maybe we can find a way to uh, link it somehow, or, or maybe people just have to wait till it gets a distributor. I don't know, but it's the only um, it's it's the most comprehensive biography because there hasn't been one written yet. Hint, hint. Anybody out there? Maybe you, Miguel. Uh, about no, there's already a book. There's already a book that it has been uh, written. Oh, about okay, him. okay. The Enigma of Jacobo Greenberg. I think it's. Uh, the name of the of the of the book and the author of the book is also being interviewed, but uh, in the documentary. Oh, okay, okay. Spanish? Is it he Mexican or Spanish uh, author? I do not know, to be honest. Oh, okay. But it is. But the book is in Spanish. Yeah. All right. Well, then, so if people can find that, either they can read Spanish or get a uh, maybe there's a translation available. I do not know. Uh, for pe people that can only understand English. I can understand some Spanish. I started trying to read Grinberg's book and I got lost within like two paragraphs because <laughs> um, of my limited Spanish. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I have tried to, uh, to follow his uh, theories <laughs> and I'm a uh, Mexican, Spanish is my uh, mother tongue and I also got lost. <laughs> within just a few paragraphs like what is this guy saying well to me it's almost you know and i thought about this when i was when i heard about him and as we talked about him you know who he reminded me of is wilhelm reich yeah in a little a little bit just coming from another country very different ideas about uh what the underpinnings of reality are and what how what our relationship to it is and you know in reich's case he was persecuted for it in Grinberg's case, who knows what happened? I don't know if he was persecuted, just disappeared. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Not he, sure. He, he did receive a lot of flack, it seems, from his colleagues because of the topics he was interested in, mm -hmm. you know, and also that you know the people he was associated with. Not only uh, all these uh, shamans and curanderos and mediums and all that. But also because some of those same uh, shamans became embroidered with people very high up in the Mexican uh, political class. Oh, that's right. You said Panchita might have been a of showing up at the president's uh, wife's, uh, well, at the presidential palace or house or whatever it is. Yeah, apparently Panchita. Yeah, apparently. According to the documentary, and again, you know, another spoiler, uh, Greenberg was introduced to this uh, curandera through the intervention of uh, the president's sister. Oh, sister. Okay, sorry. Yeah. But also, I mean, and this is something that I already knew, during that time, Yuri Geller, the, the, the famous uh, Israeli-born well, some people will call him a psychic, and other people will call him a, a, a fraud. Let's just call him a mentalist. He yeah. was also very much involved with uh, the family of the Mexican president at that time because he he became very close to his first wife. You know, there are even you know rumors that they became lovers, but I don't know. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Oh, I know what else I wanted to ask about. You saw in the film that there was some sort of uh, symposium or meeting attended right. by Grinberg as well as Jacques Vallée and John Keel. 
and I think a few other people that we might know. Was it in Costa Rica in like 1974 or five or something like that? It was in 1985. Oh, 85. I was 10 years off. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, this is something that uh, they mentioned in, in the documentary, but they give a, a, at least with regards to the photos they show, they totally give a wrong, re- a, a wrong date. Because the moment they, they, they said this, and the moment that I was watching the documentary, and I was like, wait a minute, is that John Keel? <laughs> oh, is that Jacques Vallée? And this, oh, yeah, that's Jacques Vallée. And that's also, I, I also recognize in, 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 in those photos, uh, Juan Jose Benitez, yeah. who is one of my idols, you know, a, a famous Spanish UFO researcher. Uh-huh. So obviously, I had to quickly go and grab my copy of Forbidden Science, uh, Volume Four, which covers uh, Those years. the 1990s, and these are, are are the journals of Jacques Vallée, you know, that he he kept since the 1960s. And when I couldn't find any rep in any uh, references or any mentions of this uh, conference, conference yeah. that that's when I, I got very uh, uh, suspicious. Like, okay, maybe. Something's wrong here. And then after some, you know, short digging, I did manage to find out that this conference uh, was celebrated not in 1994, but in 1995. And then, then when I, I grabbed the other volume of Forbidden Science, the volume three, then I, fi- I found several uh, entries on the conference. Uh, Valet never mentions Greenberg, but he does mention John Keel. He does mention Andrea Purharic, who was uh, for a while like uh, Yuri Geller's handler in the United States. Yeah. He also mentions uh, who else? Oh, Puharic, yeah. yeah, he also mentions Freshedo, uh-huh. uh, John Lilly. He also mentions John Lilly. So all these, you know, big shots in the UFO paranormal scenes who were present in that. Uh, conference in 1985 and also obviously Jacobo Greenberg. Huh. That would have been, I wonder if there's any records of anything that was presented there or papers that are presented there or anything, or if it was just a symposium where people just sat around and talk. Uh, yeah. It'd be amazing to hear what went on there. Maybe somebody can ask uh, Valet. There is a picture I have of Valet and Keel standing together. Uh, nice black and white picture. And Valet has that same vest or whatever and haircut and everything as he does uh, in the documentary, in the in the still that you put up on your review at uh, Daily Grail, and so um, I think that's a, that might have been the only time they met, or one of the few. And there's 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 that picture. So I guess guess that was '85. Has anybody picked up where Grinberg left off and, and taken his uh, ideas further and done research, or is it just people that basically independently discovered the same things and are working on it in their way, like uh, uh, like Raiden, as you mentioned? Raiden might have heard of him. Who knows? He actually did. He, I think, he sent uh, Dean Radin sent uh, an email to Greg Taylor, not long, not long after I posted that uh, review mm-hmm. of the documentary. And I think that, uh, well, I hope I, I hope I'm not discussing anything private. I guess I'm not because uh, Mr. Radin said that he did meet uh, Greenberg in a conference here in Mexico. I think it was in Ushmal mm. uh, in 1994, in January of 1994, I think, if memory serves oh, me wow. well. Right before he disappeared. 
right before, well yeah a few, uh, few like months. the same year I guess, at least yeah so they they didn't know each other huh. as for people who have following his uh, research at least in Mexico I'm, I'm almost certain that no one has done so because I mean doing science in Mexico it's so difficult to begin with you know for the lack of resources and all of that and now imagine doing that kind of research sounds to me even more insurmountable. So uh, I cannot say for certain, but it wouldn't surprise me if no one else picked up where he left off, at least here in Mexico. As for other countries, well, that's the thing, you know, we just don't know. Maybe in Spain, like I said, you know, people, people seem to know Greenberg's work more in Spain than than in Mexico and certainly more than in the United States. So maybe in Spain someone managed to do so. But like I said, I don't know. I've been fascinated with this guy ever since um, Samantha McBride sent me that link. I was like, "What? Who? Mexico?" You know. So it was. Uh, I'm glad that the, the the film was done and you were able to uh, dig into it. And plus, since you're native Spanish speaker, a lot of this stuff is more available to you. So I, I will lean on you heavily as we uh, discuss Grinberg in the future. Yeah, sure. I mean, and yeah, I, I really hope this uh, film gets di widely distributed in the United States and elsewhere pretty soon. Because, to be honest, um, after watching um, Alan Stiebelman's Witness of Another World, mm -hmm. this is like the second best paranormal related documentary I've seen in a long time okay Miguel thanks it's a, a, a very uh, a slightly extended um, uh, pop up but I, I, I thought that people might want to hear about Grinberg uh, and what you had found out as his uh, hopefully his story uh, spreads and uh, people can do a little bit more research on his work and what he was doing and what his ideas might have been because He's one of those people that just seem like way ahead of their time. People are now talking about these concepts, and uh, people like Grinberg were examining them and researching them way back, way back in the 60s, 70s, 80s. Um, yeah, yeah. In the I, documentary, they, they call him the Einstein of consciousness. You know, not <laughs> only because both of them were uh, Jewish scientists, but also because they were so ahead of his time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that... Uh, I, I, I have no uh, aspirations of trying to help solve the riddle of his disappearance, but if we can at least help in trying to bring attention to his work, then I think that we can, you know, do some honor yep. to his memory. Thanks so much, Miguel. And um, we'll, uh, when we have more news on uh, the film, um, we will uh, set up a show. Sounds good. Okay. Thank you, Greg. Okay, thanks.